Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 1. After these things and this faithfulness, Sennacherib king of Assyria came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fortified cities and thought to make a breach therein for himself. The king of Assyria decided that he could attack Judah, but he doesn't realize that Hezekiah is a man of God. 2. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, 3. He took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they helped him. 4. So there was gathered much people together, and they stopped all the fountains and the brook that flowed through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? In the books of Kings, we had read that Sennacherib's top warrior stood in the waterway, and I thought it was because he was threatening the people's water supply, but now it's clear that King Hezekiah had shut off the water himself, and that's why Sennacherib's top warrior was standing in the waterway was because it was dry, and he was actually mad that it was dry. I'll have to make that correction from when we were reading in the books of Kings that he was actually mad because his soldiers couldn't access any of the water and Judah had actually prevented them from accessing it. 5. And he took courage and built up all the wall that was broken down and raised it up to the towers and another wall without and strengthened Milo in the city of David and made weapons and shields in abundance. So Milo is the place in the books of Kings where we read that the top warrior of Sennacherib had stood and threatened Judah in front of the people. Evidently, that tower was raised about this time specifically to protect the people of Judah from the Assyrian king. 6. And he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the broad place at the gate of the city and spoke encouragingly to them. This is what King Hezekiah has done. He's gathered warriors and he's going to encourage them to not be afraid because the Assyrian army is much larger than their army. And that's why the Assyrian army felt that they could easily take over Judah. And this is what Hezekiah said to his own men. 7. Be strong and of good courage, be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for the multitude that is with him, for there is a greater with us than with him. Hezekiah is saying, the Lord God is greater than the Assyrian army, and he's on our side, so we don't need to be afraid of the Assyrian army. And that's why none of us need to be afraid. If we are children of God who are obeying his commandments and following Jesus, there's no reason for us to ever be afraid of all the threats that Satan throws our way. 8. With him is an arm of flesh, meaning he has a human strength. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. The people believed what Hezekiah was saying. They had peace within themselves that God would fight their battle for them. 9. After this did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem. Now he was before Lachish, and all his power with him, unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, and unto all Judah that were at Jerusalem, saying, so this is what Sennacherib's top warrior said when he was sent to Judah. 
10. Thus saith Sennacherib king of Assyria, Whereon do ye trust that ye abide the siege in Jerusalem? 11. Doth not Hezekiah persuade you to give you over to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God will deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria? This top warrior of Sennacherib, he's not speaking to King Hezekiah, he's actually speaking to the king's people to cause them to be afraid, and he's saying, your Lord can't help you against us, and you're going to die of thirst and hunger because we're going to besiege your town. 12. Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars, and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall worship before one altar, and upon it shall ye offer. 13. Know ye not what I and my fathers have done unto all the peoples of the lands, where the gods of the nations of the lands in any wise able to deliver their land out of my hand? What this warrior is telling the people is, you guys only have one god, because Hezekiah will only let you worship one god. But we've already fought against numerous gods, and they all lost. So if numerous gods in the pagan lands can't win over our army, then how can one god win over our army? But what he doesn't understand is all those numerous gods were fake, and the one true god is real, and that's what he doesn't get. 14. Who was there among all the gods of those nations which my fathers utterly destroyed, that could deliver his people out of my hand, that your god should be able to deliver you out of my hand? 15. Now therefore let not Hezekiah beguile you, to beguile is to fool or deceive, so he's saying, don't let your king deceive you, nor persuade you after this manner, neither believe ye him, for no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people out of my hand, and out of the hand of my fathers. How much less shall your god deliver you out of my hand? Again, his reasoning is very faulty. He thinks that the god of Israel is the same as all of the fake pagan gods. He thinks the God of Israel is just like an idol. He doesn't realize the God of Israel is alive and created everything and has power over everything. He's very mistaken. 16. And his servants spoke yet more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah, which means they're blaspheming God because they're equating him with a common idol, saying that he's totally powerless. 17. He wrote also a letter to taunt the Lord, the God of Israel, and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of the lands, which have not delivered their people out of my hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of my hand. Now this letter he wrote to King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah would not see him face to face, and that's why he spoke to Hezekiah's people instead and taunted them, and then he had a letter sent to Hezekiah. 18. And they cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language unto the people of Jerusalem that were on the wall to terrify them and to affright them, that they might take the city. They're trying to instill fear in the city so that the people are too afraid to fight, so they're speaking in the language of the Judaites so that the people of Judah will be too afraid to fight. 19. And they spoke of the God of Jerusalem as of the gods of the peoples of the earth, which are the work of men's hands. Again, they were acting like the real God is just an idol. And that's what secular people do today. They pretend that the real God, the one and only God who created all of us, 
is just another idol and that Christianity is like all the other religions. Well, there could be nothing further from the truth because all of the other religions embrace multiple gods and they all require that you, the person, earn your own salvation by being good. And in Christianity, we worship the one true God and we don't worship any others and we cannot be good enough to be saved. It's only by his righteousness and grace that we're saved. 20. And Hezekiah the king and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed because of this and cried to heaven. So surely we'll be reading a little bit about this when we get to the book of Isaiah, which is written by this very prophet, Isaiah. 21. And the Lord sent an angel who cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders and captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he was come into the house of his God, they that came forth of his own bowels slew him there with a sword. This is a summary of what it said in the books of Kings, where it gave us a lot more detail. It said that King Hezekiah took the letter that this warrior had written him and spread it out before the Lord and prayed and gave the letter to the Lord and said, Lord, you deal with this. I can't. I can't fight this man. I need you to fight him for me. And he has blasphemed your name. And Hezekiah prayed that the Lord would glorify his own name. So the Lord did. He promised Hezekiah that this warrior would return home and that he would be killed. And that's exactly what happened. He returned home because he heard that his king, Sennacherib, needed help to fight another army. And so he went home to help Sennacherib. And then his own sons killed him so he could never return. All of his words were of not, and that's why it says he returned home ashamed, because he never did get to fight the people of Judah like he told them he was going to. 22. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all, and guided them on every side. And this is all because of Hezekiah's commitment to following the Lord and the repentance that the people in Judah did. That's why God backed them up. When you walk in repentance and obedience to the Lord, he will back you up in life. Your life won't be easy. Jesus's life wasn't easy. None of the apostles had an easy life. None of the prophets or the forefathers had an easy life. But God backed them up. 23. And many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem, and precious things to Hezekiah king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations from thenceforth. Because he honored the Lord, the Lord honored him, and other nations actually looked up to Hezekiah. 24. In those days Hezekiah was sick even unto death, and he prayed unto the Lord, and he spoke unto him, and gave him a sign. 25. But Hezekiah rendered not according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. 26. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. This is a summary of what we also read in the books of Kings, where there was a lot more detail given. What happened was Hezekiah was dying, and the prophet came to him and said, you're going to die. And Hezekiah was heartbroken, and he begged the Lord to save his life. And so the Lord told the prophet, I will let him live. And the prophet told Hezekiah that he was going to live. 
The prophet let him pick what sign he wanted to show him that he was going to live, and the prophet asked that the shadow on the sundial go backward two hours, which means that time would go back two hours. And that's what the Lord did. The sundial did go back two hours. But then, after this, when Hezekiah was allowed to live, he got proud, and then the king of Babylon sent messengers over to spy Jerusalem and the temple and see what kind of riches were over there to decide if they were going to attack it one day. And Hezekiah was a fool and actually showed them all of the treasure that was in Jerusalem. And he didn't realize that they were spies. And so the prophet came and rebuked Hezekiah and told him that the Babylonians would come and ransack Jerusalem and take captives, but it wouldn't happen in Hezekiah's lifetime. And that's what these three verses mean. 27. And Hezekiah had exceeding much riches and honor, and he provided him treasuries for silver and for gold, and for precious stones, and for spices, and for shields, and for all manner of goodly vessels. We got to be faithful to the end. Hezekiah was a wonderful king throughout all of his reign until the very end when he finally became prideful. We saw the same thing happen with some of the other kings that were in Judah, where they were faithful until the end and then they went bad. Like King Asa, it's really important that we remain faithful throughout our entire lives and don't turn to pride in the end of our life. 28. Hezekiah also had storehouses also for the increase of corn and wine and oil and stalls for all manner of beasts and flocks in folds. He had a lot of wealth because he had followed the Lord most of his life. 29. Moreover, he provided him cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very much substance. Today, the word of faith doctrine teaches that all of us are supposed to be rich because the patriarchs were rich. But we have to realize there was a good reason for the patriarchs to be rich. After all, Hezekiah was the king of Judah, and all of his wealth was used by the crown. He needed all that wealth to support Judah, to support the army, to support all the workers. He wasn't just one man getting all of this wealth. You and I aren't a king or a queen. We don't need that kind of wealth. And I guarantee you, God isn't going to make you wealthy like Hezekiah in order to increase his kingdom. He'll prosper you more spiritually than financially because the spiritual prosperity is what grows his kingdom, meaning he'll grow you in spiritual gifts. He'll grow you in character. He'll grow you in faithfulness. He'll grow you in boldness to share your testimony. That's where you'll really prosper in life. 29. Moreover, he, God, provided him, Hezekiah, cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very much substance. 30. This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper spring of the waters of Gihon and brought them straight down on the west side of the city of David, and Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Hezekiah diverted the waters of the Gihon Spring for the benefit of the people so that they could actually get more water. 31. Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, and that's who I just told you about, they were actually spies from Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. God left him to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. You know, God will test your faith so that you and God both will know what's really in your heart. God will allow Satan to tempt you. And Hezekiah was so proud of his riches that he showed these two spies everything he had.
When you're presented with a spiritual test, please pass it. It will be good for you in the end, and you'll have a reward in heaven. Joseph, when he was a slave, a woman tried to have sex with him outside of marriage, and he could have easily given in, but he didn't. He passed the test, and you and I need to be faithful and pass that test every single time. 32. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his good deeds, behold, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. We will read about that when we get to the book of Isaiah, and in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel, which we've already read. 33. And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the ascent of the sepulchres of the sons of David. They buried him in the sepulchres of the kings. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did him honor at his death. And Manasseh his son reigned in his stead. Manasseh was the thirteenth king of Judah, if we do not include Athaliah, who ruled illegally. And that concludes Second Chronicles chapter 32.